Lawrence took a peek downfield, had a lot of room, and breaks the tackle, and is still running. Lawrence in a foot race. Will they catch him? Touchdown, Tigers! Wow! A game-changing play. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Matt Smith here with you. Happy New Year to everybody as we continue to preview the Clemson and LSU national title game coming up. We'll also look back briefly today on Clemson's basketball loss. Maybe look ahead to Clemson and NC State. We'll do that. And of course, Brad Brownell and crew. Haven't started out the way most Clemson fans would have wanted. Amir Sims was outstanding, efficient, and disciplined the other night. 21 points, no turnovers, did not commit a foul, but the rest of the team stink and the Tigers shooting just 28% from the three-point line in their three ACC losses. So we'll talk about that coming up a little bit, but of course, All the good vibes are happening around the national title game. Clemson and LSU, the Tigers ready to head down to New Orleans. And what we want to do a little bit today is take a look at the other side. Let's flip it a little bit and look at Clemson's opponent, LSU, an an outstanding season just like Clemson, 14-0, the toast of the college football world this year with their energetic Coach Ed Orgeron, a guy I wasn't sure could have ever had this success back when he was coaching Ole Miss going three and nine. I knew he could recruit. I knew he was a great quote. I knew he connected with players. I knew he could coach defensive linemen and he knew defensive football. But could he ever get here? Could he be a CEO the way Dabo Sweeney is? And Ed Orzeron, win or lose, is doing it. So we're going to take a little time and look at that side, uh, that side of the coin as well. And a little bit later on, we're going to have Patrick Daniel from the Sports Talk Radio Network join us to talk about Clemson and LSU and also the 18 playoff expansion idea that if the college football playoffs were to expand to eight teams, how would that affect Clemson? Short-term, long-term. What would that do to the Tigers? How would that change college football as a whole? We'll dig into that and a couple of other things with Patrick Daniel from Sports Talk. He'll have plenty of opinions for that. Right now, let's go ahead and hear a little bit from Ed Orzeron. Always fun to hear Coach O's voice. And we've got a couple of clips here from Coach O. And we'll start with where the national media is starting, which is the honor of and, and the uniqueness of Ed Orgeron being a Louisiana man, born and, ra- born and raised, coaching LSU, the State University of Louisiana, in the title game, hosted by New Orleans. All that's missing is Mardi Gras, Café du Monde Beignets, and Harry Connick Jr. So here's Coach O on what it's like to be a Louisiana cat coaching LSU in New Orleans with all the marbles on the line. It, it is special, no question. It is special, but you know what? Got to put those things aside. That you know, uh, growing up, I always wanted to be the head coach at LSU. I, I loved watching Charlie Mack play. I loved watching Ronnie Estee, Arthur Cantrell. Uh, although I was at other schools, I always kept my eye on LSU and always pulled and watched what they were doing and. 
I remember the times that they played in the uh, the national championship and know what a big day it is in the state of Louisiana, how it affects everybody in Louisiana. So, yes, am I proud to be part of that? Yes. Uh, but as you know, it's always going to be about the team and the players. And uh, all of us together, one team, one heartbeat, will be a very proud day for for our players to represent LSU. It will be a very proud day for there's people in the state of Louisiana, but we want to be proud when we win, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we, <laughs> right. we and we understand that. So, uh, although we're 14 and 0, we did a lot of great things. Uh, it's a monumental game for us. It's a big game. It's a game that uh, that we have to play well to beat Clemson. And Coach George Run is right about that. LSU would have to play really good to beat Clemson. Maybe the best game they've played all season because when you break it down, LSU has vanquished some pretty hefty dragons throughout this season in knocking off teams like Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida. However, most of those teams were severely flawed in one way or another. If you've seen Georgia play recently, you know they don't have a ton at receiver. The passing game just can't get cranked up. They can run the football. They had a very good offensive line, and they were very good defensively. So LSU was having to defeat maybe three of the four components of a really good team. Georgia's also a terrific and special team. So that was something for LSU to to do work on the Bulldogs in the SEC championship game on a neutral field. Very impressive. Alabama, we know they can give up yardage. Uh, They gave up a ton of yardage against Auburn. LSU put up big yards against Alabama. Other teams have done that, dating back to Clemson last season in the national title game. So we know that Alabama team was not a vintage Saban defense. LSU beat them, very good team, tons of credit, but not the Alabama team of of yesteryear. Teams like Florida, Florida flawed, didn't know what they were doing at quarterback at all times. Athletes everywhere, but not really dialed in the way Clemson is right now. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is at Clemson. Kyle Trask is no Trevor Lawrence at Florida. Uh, Auburn, same story. Bo Nix struggled to put up big yardage in most games. They had the big win over Alabama, but anybody that watched Alabama, uh, I'm sorry, Auburn lose to Minnesota, you can tell this is not a, a high-octane offense that LSU was having to deal with. They got dragged down a bit into a wrestling match, but Clemson is a different animal when it comes to all phases of the game offense defense special teams stars everywhere and then you also saw the adjustments Clemson made at halftime and that's what LSU is going to have to deal with and Trevor Lawrence just keeps coming up and for good reason Ed Orgeron knows very well what Trevor Lawrence brings to the table 25 and 0 as a starter there are a lot of reasons Clemson is on this run and Trevor Lawrence is probably reason 1A. He's a winner, 25-0. and 0, Hadn't been beat yet. Tells you a lot about him. Uh, you know, just watching the film, watched uh, several games this morning, three or four games the last couple of days. The way he takes command, the way he takes charge, uh, obviously the RPOs, uh, his reads are right on it, has a strong on, but his ability to run. Uh, he, he surprised me. Obviously, I haven't played against Clemson, haven't studied him, so but his ability to take the tuck the ball and lead his arms and run. He is an outstanding runner, makes some big-time plays, some big-time ball games, and for a big chunk of yards. Uh, obviously, he made some big 
game games against Ohio State, which helped them win the game. They're already in French field goal range. And Lawrence, thought one, dumps it over the middle. ETN in space. ETN to the 10. Reeves, touchdown, Tigers! A championship drive from the defending champs. This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You've got Matt Smith here with you. This is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are still previewing LSU and Clemson. We'll have Patrick Daniel join us in just a few minutes from the Sports Talk Radio Network, really to dig in to the potential of the eight-team college football playoff and how that would affect Clemson. Uh, Would that make their road a little bit more difficult with this recent success they've had? Maybe Clemson doesn't want to change anything. Now, we're also taking a look at LSU. Do they fit all the criteria for a national champion? I've got in front of me some of the recent national champions, dating back to 2009, Alabama, and some of the things those teams have in common, including Clemson twice in there, as national champions and a couple of things you've got to be able to do as a national champion is defend the run and the yards per carry against is a big time statistic it's a real marker for a national championship team can you stop the run can you stonewall teams on third and one third and two crucial points in the game and don't forget in college football this also involves the pass rush because when you get those tackles for losses the sacks in the backfield that counts against the rushing average as well so throughout the years just as an example 2015 Alabama one of the better defenses we saw 2.43 yards per carry against how about Clemson just last season in 2018 2.52 yards per carry against LSU this season playing a different style of football 3.6 yards her carry against. Now, there are teams that have won a national title recently, including Clemson in 2016, giving up more yards per carry than that. And 2014's Ohio State at 3.95. But this is not your traditional defense in LSU. Now, they had injuries throughout the season, so that affects their numbers a little bit as well. But that's just something a marker to keep an eye on. Also, yards per play, forget it. LSU far and away exceeds what most teams have done in yards per play as far as recent national champions. How about third down against? That's another key statistic. Can you get off the field? Can you force punts? Because to win a national championship, you have to do it consistently. And you have to be able to both game plan it from the sideline and then execute out there on the field on the money down, third downs. LSU gives up just 31% on third down. Clemson last season gave up 28% on third down. And usually your national champion over the last 10 years gives up 32, 33, 34% on third down. LSU certainly meets that criteria. Points per game, again, LSU, the Bayou Bengals blowing it out of the water with 48.9 points per game. That would be a record, by the way, for a national champion. Points per game, 48.9. That's what Clemson is up against. One more, points per game versus, and this is where LSU may not meet the criteria of most teams. I mean, I'm just going to go through some of the uh, the last few national champions 
points per game against. Like 2009 Alabama gave up 11.7 points per game. 2011 Alabama, 8.2 points per game. 2012 Alabama, 10.9. 2013 Florida State, Jimbo Fisher's National Championship, 12.1 points per game. The only team in the last decade to give up as many points per game as LSU and win a national title. Ohio State in 2014, 22 points per game. And that was a Buckeyes team that lost to Virginia Tech at home. They made the switch at quarterback to Corderell Patterson after a couple of injuries. They got hot at the end. So that was a slightly different circumstance. Now, football has changed. More possessions, more plays in a game, up-tempo. And we talked about LSU's injuries defensively. But you just have to wonder, is this a team against Clemson that can come up with key stops, especially on third and fourth down, because those will come up in a game like this in New Orleans. Can they do that against Clemson? Something they haven't done consistently throughout the season, giving up as many points as they have. Now, the SEC has changed a little bit. There, LSU faced more up-tempo offenses than normal. But this is a team, injuries or no, that gave up 38 points to Vanderbilt. That is the question in this game. We've asked it. Is LSU's defense good enough to win a national championship? And now, to this point, it's not just about being consistent. It's distilled into one game. It's going to be 60 to 65 plays against Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, and more. And can LSU's defense hold up in that circumstance? Some pundits say yes. Some pundits say no. Now, how about Ed Orgeron? How does he feel about it? Well, he commented on what he thinks makes Clemson so good. And Coach O covers everything here, including his respect for Clemson defensive coordinator, Brent Venables. Athletes, speed, scheme. Uh, their receivers are big and tall and athletic, fantastic. Etan is one of the best backs we'll see all year. Uh, Louisiana product, outstanding young man. I tried to recruit him at the end very fast. Again, he made two explosive plays to help beat Ohio State. Uh, he's a prolific rusher, one of the best rushers in Clemson history. Scores a bunch of touchdowns very fast. I think the thing that you look when you look at Clemson's uh, offense, uh, you think about athletes and speed and space. When you look at that defense, you think about Brent Venables, the, the great job that he has done, his ability to adjust against uh, the different offenses that he's seen. I think he's an excellent coach. I've always uh, known Brent for a long time and uh, respected him as one of the best defensive coordinators in all of football. Uh, their defensive line is quick and strong. He can rush the passer. His blitzes are phenomenal. So I think, you know, it's a great matchup. Uh, and so you get the championship team, you're going to play against some, a team with some great coaches. You're going to take, get a team with some great players, and that's what we have. A healthy respect there for Clemson from Coach Orgeron, and he's right in laying out what makes Clemson special. A lot of it is that team speed and the scheme with Tony Elliott and the soon-to-be-departed Jeff Scott. And, of course, Ed Orgeron, a lot of respect for defensive coordinator Brent Venables, as everybody across college football has for Coach Venables. Now, if we glance at those markers for Clemson and where they stand among the recent national champions, including themselves a couple of times, that yards per carry against this Clemson team giving up just 3.1 yards per carry against. That is outstanding. Not as good as they were a season ago with those first-rounders along the defensive line, something we've seen almost 
uh, uh, you know, so seldom in college football. There was an NFL defensive line playing in college. So Clemson, just a tick up this year in yards per carry against because now the strength is in that back seven, and that shows itself in third down against Clemson, like this season it's LSU team, giving up just 31% on third down. How about yards per play on offense? Clemson better than it was a season ago. Last season, Clemson got 7.35 yards per play. This Clemson team, 7.46, and that's with the Tigers calling off the dogs oftentimes in quarters three and four. I think you can really attribute the difference there, to up, the tick up to 7.46 to Trevor Lawrence starting every game this season for the Tigers. Nothing against Kelly Bryant, but you know Clemson's offense more explosive with Trevor Lawrence. It shows itself statistically. Points per game, Clemson just a little bit better this season than they were last year. And points per game against this Clemson Tigers defense actually improved on that statistic, and that is with playing a ton of reserves in the second half of games. Now, some of that has to do with the level of competition. Clemson truly outclassed it's uh, the ACC this year, but that includes games against Texas A&M, its rival South Carolina, and even the true test against Ohio State um, in the Fiesta Bowl as well. So this Clemson team checks every box for a national champion, and really the biggest difference between these two teams is that points per game against. Now, can all of that be attributed to the up-tempo offenses and some of the explosive teams LSU faced and the injuries they endured on defense. LSU, 21.9 points per game on defense. Clemson, 11.5. Is that the difference in this game? Or will it be Travis Etienne? Travis Etienne, three years ago, was coming out of uh, Louisiana High School, chose Clemson over LSU. Did that particular recruiting battle tip the balance of power in college football. Well, Ed Orgeron gets asked about Travis Etienne all the time. All the time. Hey, I wonder how it is. I know how it, I know how it happened. And every time I watch, every time I heard about Clemson play or, or every time I seen him having success, I'm sick to my stomach. And uh, obviously, if we like our running backs, we got great running backs here, but uh, we wanted uh, Travis, at, Travis Etienne at the end, but it was too little too late. Second down field, scans downfield, fires to the end zone, it's intercepted, picked up by Nolan Turner, and the Tigers are not going to be dethroned tonight, they'll punch their ticket to New Orleans. This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast, your team, every day we continue to hurdle closer and closer to Clemson and LSU in New Orleans, a national championship opportunity for the Tigers. It's not just Clemson football going on right now, although judging by the attendance the other night, there's not a ton of interest in Clemson hoops right now, and part of that's because Clemson started 0-3 in conference play, and I mentioned early on in this podcast that the Tigers shooting just 28% from behind the three-point line in its three losses in conference play to Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Miami. So not the murderer's row, even, of the ACC. They live in a very difficult neighborhood. It's a rough hood 
that Clemson lives in in the ACC with North Carolina, Duke, Virginia all lurking, all on the schedule, and Clemson is already 0-3. Now, the Tigers have an opportunity to get off the schneid with NC State coming to Little John Coliseum this weekend, but NC State is 10-3, and and very little that we've seen from Clemson's basketball team right now would lead you to believe that they can pull the upset over the Wolfpack. So we'll hear just a little bit from Brad Brownell as we close things out. We'll have to reschedule Pat Daniel from the Sports Talk Radio Network, but what we're going to dig into, and we'll do it tomorrow, is the 18 playoff expansion that could be looming in college football. Now, what does it do to Clemson? Just a little primer for you. I don't think it's good for Clemson if it goes to eight teams. I think the Tigers are in a really good spot right now. They're going to rule the ACC for quite a while. It doesn't look like South Carolina will be much of a threat, at least in the immediate future. So you start stacking up the wins. Clemson's already, they're going to be favored in all 12 games for the next couple of seasons, almost certainly. And if the Tigers win or lose, win or lose against LSU, what they have proven that they can do in the college football playoff is going to give them the benefit of the doubt with the committee. You don't want to add another layer to what Clemson, another hurdle for the Tigers, I think, if you're a Clemson fan. I think the 18 playoff would be bad for Clemson because it would be another game against a quality opponent. Now, the same would be true for everyone, but as it stands, Clemson has one of the best roads to the college football playoff because look at the way they're out recruiting, out just creating more and more distance between themselves and the rest of the conference. This year, according to most of the recruiting services, Miami was the second best team in terms of accruing talent on the early signing day to Clemson. A ton of space between those two programs, not just in recruiting, but on the field as well. Miami's going to have a new offensive coordinator next season, and they're not even in Clemson's division. So the Tigers wouldn't see them most years until the conference championship anyway. And as we know, Miami doesn't get to the conference championship. So uh, it, it really sets up nicely right now for Clemson and the four-team playoff. We'll dig into that a little bit and see if there's another factor that I may be missing. We'll do that with Pat Daniel on our next episode of the Locked on Clemson podcast. Right now, we'll leave you with just a couple of minutes from Brad Brelnell following the loss because you can hear the disappointment in his voice. But here's the light at the end of the tunnel if you're a Clemson basketball fan. This is a young team, a very young backcourt. Is it possible, and this loss to Miami was in overtime, 73-68. to And again, Clemson didn't knock down threes, but you make some adjustments. Maybe, maybe they get the ball to Amir Sims a little bit more often. Maybe they find a way through ball movement and schematics to beat the zones, which have given them so much trouble. And that young backcourt steps up, and they start to pull a couple of upsets. And then like Brad Brownell has done so many times in the past, They spring a few wins throughout uh, February and March and either get into the NCAA tournament or an NIT bid. That's what you're looking at right now. Sims is good enough down there in the post for Clemson. Can that backcourt either start knocking down threes or adjust what they do, penetrate, get the ball in that, you know, kind of drive and kick? There's going to be subtle adjustments made by Brad Brownell, and he's discovered through watching this young team right now They don't have any mismatches 
in the backcourt. They don't have anybody like Marquise Reed was a season ago that can put it on the deck, get points on their own when the shot clock is winding down. So they've got to do it through ball movement and team play. And that's what Brad Brownell has likely been working on since the Miami loss heading into the NC State game. Here's Brad Brownell right after taking his third conference loss of the season, this one to Jim Laranega and Miami in a tight one. Uh, heartbreaker today. Um, you know, tough in a lot of ways. Number one, our guys really have had a great week trying to get ready for this game. And I thought we practiced with great uh, energy and effort and focus and, and uh you know, in a lot of stretches of the game, we played well enough to win. Um, but there are still some parts where we're not not very smart and we don't execute down the stretch. Um, and it seems to rear its head a little bit on a couple plays. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's hard for us offensively at times. We just don't have an easy advantage situation. And we've got to create and execute uh, off of our offense really well. And when we don't, we have a hard time uh, scoring. And so um, when we make mistakes in our execution, um, it just puts too much pressure on our team. And uh, we're not good enough to, to be able to have somebody really save us. Um, and so, you know, we, we're a grinded team. And we have to grind and, and out-execute somebody. And that's going to be challenging in this league. It's hard. Right you are, Coach Brownell. It will be hard to out-execute teams in this league. It's a really good basketball league and a tough schedule ahead for Clemson. Not a lot of optimism right now. Not a lot of optimism in Coach Brownell's voice, but that can change with one conference win. Can it come this Saturday against NC State? That'll wrap us today on the Locked On Clemson podcast. Your team every day will be back tomorrow. And don't forget, we've got more from our own Will Merritt from New Orleans. That's coming up next week. He'll be joined by Taj Boyd, Woody Dantzler. We'll have LeVon Kirkland on next week as well. So subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, more. Go to the Locked On Podcast Dot com as well and check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day will absolutely be running the gamut next week and getting a ton of score predictions for LSU and Clemson because it's not just important to preview who you think is going to win that LSU or Clemson has certain matchup advantages, but how will the game play out? Does Clemson want to get LSU into a wrestling match? Do they want to use Travis Etienne in the run game and then go play action, run RPOs with Trevor Lawrence, limit possessions, limit red zone opportunities for that high-octane LSU offense? Is that the game plan? Or is Clemson okay with the shootout? Go up and down thinking that LSU's defense is the weakness and won't stand up against T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Amari Rogers, and those that receiving core. That will be a debate that will rage on throughout tomorrow and next week here on the Locked On Clemson Podcast.